but but right. it's worth noting that that's the process that 26 other states have available to them to run citizens initiatives to go through the same thing that we're dealing with here and and the reason i say that chris is because if they're successful here you can't tell me they won't turn around and try it in right. another state whether it's whether it's coon hunting and bear hunting back east or whether it's lions and bobcats out here or maybe it's deer and elk or maybe it's pheasant hunting or, or right. utilization of electronic collars on upland bird hunts or whatever and that's and, and i say that you know tongue-in-cheek but that language is in this measure for these avocational pursuits uh, mm-hmm. about electronic calling the collaring devices not calling it's it's uh it's, it needs to be distinguished there uh right but uh there's wait a second you're telling me that there's language maybe i haven't looked at the final initiative here but there's language in there about electronic collars for on on dogs yep This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in there. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, if that little snippet up front there didn't get you fired up and get your attention, I really don't know what can. That was Dan Gage with Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management joining me on a podcast for the most current update, which is going to be about a week old. A lot changes on the political landscape in one week, believe me. And he's given us the most current update that we've got right now for a podcast on Initiative 91 in Colorado. If you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what I'm talking about with Initiative 91, there's a group called CATS. That stands for Cats Aren't Trophies. And this group has filed for and been approved for a ballot initiative in the state of Colorado to ban the hunting of mountain lions and bobcats And they use the emotional trick by throwing on links. Well, you can't can't hunt links 
in the lower 48. They're already protected by the Endangered Species Act. They're on the ESL. So that's totally just for, that's like clickbait. Clickbait on social media. That's what the links part of this thing is. So let's not even talk about that. Now to answer the question as to why. Why are we continuing to talk about this issue on this podcast why have why is houndsman xp doubled down why have i traveled to denver to represent houndsman in the international sportsman's expo with in conjunction with crwm why did i travel to safari club international in nashville to represent houndsman it's because this is this is I, I don't know what to call it I, we've called it battleground 2024 I've called it, um, but it's Armageddon. I'm telling you that this is the first major battle in recent history for your freedoms to hunt, especially to free cast your dogs. And they've come after us as houndsmen. And this is our fight. The reason I keep bringing this podcast up or this topic up on this podcast would be a better way to say it is because of all of these battles that I've ever seen, I've ever been involved in. We fought them here in Indiana with the Hoosier Tree Dog Alliance, you know, different policies, things like that. I was a fly on the wall in a lot of these commission meetings. I've testified in front of the Natural Resources Commission on different topics and different issues over the years. Well, for about 30 years, I have never seen strategy and organization and a groundswell effort like this to oppose the anti-hunting animal extremists ever anywhere by doubling down on this houndsman xp has been able to get access and be involved in the strategy meetings and the contacts and and all of that sort of stuff you know i'm seeing elk hunters and sheep hunters Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Wild Sheep Foundation, that are coming to the table and supporting this thing big time with their messaging and also their money. I'm seeing a unification of the hunting public coming together and supporting something that does not directly affect them, but they understand the bigger picture and they recognize it as a good fight. So this is what I'm asking for you, from you, the listener, the person that's listening to this podcast. Share it. Share this message to all of your hound hunting friends out there. I know there are thousands of houndsmen out there who don't know what's going on with this issue because i see their comments on social media places like old school houndsman i saw a question on there the other day is anybody doing anything about the deal in colorado big game houndsman i saw a post on there asking a question what's being done in colorado about this deal we're covering it all right here folks all you got to do is share it and we need the support from you the individual houndsman doesn't matter if it's five dollars twenty dollars whatever it is we're going to tell you how you can support this thing in a way that you can afford to support it but i'm going to leave you with this you can't afford not to support this thing it's that simple we just cannot afford not to chip in what we can to bring home a victory not just a win, but something, a victory, one that we can 
I don't want to just win. I don't want to win in overtime by three points or one point. I want to beat them. I want to beat them bad so that when they're planning their next little stunt, they all gather around in their conference room and rub their hands together and, and, and talk about how bad they got beat in Colorado and think about how much money they had to spend to lose. That's what it's going to take, folks. We are going to have to come together. We're going to have to join forces with these great organizations and bring this victory home. The people that started this effort, they're sitting back with a smug look on their face when they got this ball rolling. Think, man, Colorado, that's the place. It's, you know, the demographics are right for voting, and the houndsmen are unorganized. This is going to be an easy win. They're sitting back with these smug looks on their faces and thinking, oh, we got this one. This is, this is a slam dunk. They underestimated you. They're counting on you not to get the message out and not to show up and not educate your friends and not come out of the mountains for a day of hunting to show up at the Capitol. They are counting on all of those things because historically speaking, that has been an accurate assumption for the reaction they would get from Houndsman. Houndsman XP is here to change that. I'm bringing these messages to fire you up. I am fired up. I get fired up about this stuff because this is coming after my freedoms. And at some point, we all have to stand up and draw that line in the sand and say, no more. You don't get to control me anymore with your unreasonable, emotionally charged, off-the-wall, crazy policies that don't make any sense, that don't sustain wildlife, that don't look at the future of wildlife health and sustainability and population and all the things that go into wildlife management you don't get to make those decisions anymore houndsmen are here hunters are here and this is our message we are going to (sighs) fight all right so i'll calm down a little bit if you're wanting to know directly how you can support this issue we're going to talk about it in this podcast but it's all listed in the show notes Stop the podcast, take a minute, and read the show notes. There's all kinds of places that you can support in the show notes. You can also support Houndsman XP. I don't get free airline tickets to go to wherever, Denver and and all these other places. This stuff takes money, folks. So I'm asking you to check out the show notes. Go to houndsmanxp.com. You can buy a join or die sweatshirt. Uh, we got some other stuff that's going to be coming. If you buy a hat, if you buy a T-shirt, the the unique thing about the join or die part is the fact that um, that money, the profits are going directly to CRWM. So just go over to houndsmanxp.com. You can check out all of our stuff on our merchandise shop. You can find links to Patreon where you can support us on Patreon. We're on YouTube. We're dropping all kinds of stuff on YouTube now. So Guys, I appreciate every one of you that listens to this. I know that you're all concerned, but we need everybody on board on this issue. And I cannot do this by myself. I'm, I need you. We, we need you. Your fellow houndsmen of Colorado need you. In the future, the very near future, your, your friends that are houndsmen in New Mexico, if you're a houndsman in Wyoming or Montana or any place, if you're a bear hunter on the East Coast, the time is now the time is now 
you know, I feel like Apollo Creed and in, in Rocky Three. There is no tomorrow, Rock. There is no tomorrow. That might be a little bit over dramatic, maybe. I don't think so. I'm telling you every time these chumps get a victory like this, it emboldens them to come after us the next time. It's our opportunity to smack them in the mouth. Here's Dan Gates and I discussing the craziness of Initiative 91 and what's being done to fight the lunatics in order to secure our freedoms for the future of houndsmen and hound hunting everywhere. Tell me everything that's going on in your world as of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so so you 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 hung around would, with me a little bit out here and you know how screwed up that part was and you were here like two days. <laughs> so Well the cool thing about the cool thing about coming out and hanging out with you is I mean you've you practiced you've spent a lot of time with them five miles of my house. You know, my neighbor, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did do you're, some, you're, I did a background investigation on you when I got home. Yeah. Your, your, your good buddy that was out here with you is uh neighbors with one of the employees of my good buddy. And, and, uh, wonder, wonder if he actually told him anything about us and just, you know, tried to poke and prod and pull his chain a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I don't uh, know. Well, yeah. the thing is, my buddy that was with me is Joe, the neighbor, yep. which, so I just live, I live a mile from him. And then another mile up the road is, is where, um, the guy you're talking about lives. Yeah. Dean, Dean Cutter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. De- no, Dean's not Dean. Good. Not Dean. Oh, oh Jared. 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 Oh, yeah. Jared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dean is his boss. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I don't really know Dean. Um, not real familiar with him, but you talk about crazy. So, you know, and I told you this, I know, I know exactly where you would set up at friendship. And when you were setting up on the point down there in, um, Tom Kerr's flea market. Yep. That's a weird dude. Yeah. He's passed away. He's gone now. Well, we won't talk about the dead rudely, but no, he, but the, but the kicker is I'll tell you what, uh, you know, just uh, getting off subject here, but but Tom treated us so well. Uh, that was the heyday of of friendship, Indiana, with the National oh, yeah. Muslim Rendezvous. Then when we were doing that stuff, and and I sent him some pictures of our store and stuff that we had at the time, and he's like, "Oh, I'll put you wherever you want. I'll put you right in front of everybody, front and center." Yeah, and uh, of course, of course, he didn't tell me that I was going to have to contact Noah in case a flood came. And, uh, and so every that, year, <laughs> every year during the shoot, either the spring shoot or the, I'm, I've seen, I have been down at friendship before up on the primitive side, yep. they canceled the shoot one year mm-hmm. and we're standing up there in the primitive camp and we just carried on. I mean, it didn't affect us. We were primitive camp when oh, yeah. we were, we were up yeah. on high ground and uh, we went ahead and shot up behind the, the, um, block house up on the primitive range and stuff. But man, there was an airstream that came ripping down. Lawford Creek uh-huh. and hit the bridge. Uh-huh. And when it came out the other side, it was, it was, there was stuff floating for miles down that Creek. I actually went downstream about four or five miles and walked the Creek back up. There's a big rumor going on that there was, that a guy lost a bunch of Chevron beads. Oh yeah. And those big Chevrons were mm-hmm. worth 20 or $30 a piece. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. At that time. And so, 
So I was out on a treasure hunt, baby. <laughs> you know, I was trying. To, I was looking for. I was looking for all that stuff. So, oh, that's what. That's when we found. What Dean Cutter found us. He came down there and was enamored with our setup and everything. He was talking about Colorado, and of course, my kid then it was like you know ten ten years old. So that's twenty twenty five years ago, and uh, and you know we kind of just parted ways because we were doing business and he was doing construction. Yeah, and he came. He 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 came by the next morning and and uh we had about a foot and a half of water coming through where we were. Mm -hmm. We were trying to get our stuff packed to get up on the, on the dike there at the bridge and, and head out. And everybody and he, was trying to get on the bridge. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, it's like I say, it was two by two trying to, trying to figure out who was <laughs> yeah. going to get up on yeah. top of that thing. <laughs> so it's, it's weird how relationships happen because Dean is still a very, very, very good friend. Matter of fact, he, he was out here this past November and, and been out here, the majority of the of the falls uh since then mm -hmm. and, uh, and so it's uh yeah it's it's a it's a cool way to strike a friendship and then you and i you know kind of hit up just because of all this crap who would have uh, thunk it man i mean yeah. <clears throat> and we didn't even know until i was in denver and we were having dinner and you're yep. you bring up for uh, did you bring up friendship yeah i, I think, think you I, asked I think i brought up friendship how and, far and, are you from friendship indiana or something and i yeah. was like what yeah. You looked at me like a two headed dragon. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. How do you, how do you know where I live? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> five miles from my house. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so anyway, man, we've been busy on, I, I just want to take a few minutes, uh, this morning and, and talk about a variety of things. But the main thing is just the, uh, what's going on in Colorado initiative 91. We're doubling down on this thing because, uh, and I tell my listeners all the time, you know, this is a this is a total departure. When I was walking around SCI last week in Nashville, you know, people are like, you know, asking me what's going on with the Initiative 91. And I just tell them, I said, it's a departure from science-based wildlife management. That's what it is. They're trying to, the, the proponents of these measures, initiatives, are trying to divert our 150 years legacy of science-based wildlife management in this country. And they're trying to trying to steer that ship in a different direction and houndsmen need to be concerned. But the, the main thing that I, I want to make sure this anybody that's listened to this understands is lion hunters and mountain lions will be the, will be the casualties of this battle in a bigger war. That's all it boils down to. We'll be casualties. So, and and that's important to me. So that's why I've, I've, I came out to Colorado last spring, met you for the first time in Florence. And then when this whole thing kicked off, we just hit the ground running. Yeah, we, we uh, and, and I, I want to preface that with not only do I appreciate you coming out, it was actually last August. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about these sort of things when we did Outdoorsman Days mm -hmm. in Florence, Colorado. And I want to give a plug to it as well, but, but, uh, we, you know, we're doing another one this year, which I think because of the, the, uh, things that we're having to deal with, we're probably going to have a lot more people than the 2000 that we had. We're probably going to have a lot more people that, that want to come and, and help not only contribute, but help to be part of the cause. Yes. But when you came out last fall, uh, in, in August, we were, we were talking about the devil at the door because yep. of the things that we deal with here and what we've always done and, and the organizations that I, and part of and help formulate about six weeks after that is when this first initiative dropped mm -hmm. and 
it made me look like a prophet. Right. Uh, I was just getting ready to say we were sitting around prophesying about what was to come. Yeah, because yep. I was standing on the stage saying, you know, uh, you know, the Grim Reaper's here and the hood and sickle is is there and we need to prepare. And and a lot of people, th- you know, that were there said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're fully on board. Six weeks later, when the initiative dropped, I mean, our phone blew up going, well, how the hell did you know that? When did? Well, it's because we've been working on this crap for the last 20 years and yeah. we beat them at every yep. other level that they, that they had access to. And they felt felt like that that was the optimum time to drop an initiative to ban the harvest of mountain lions, bobcats, and you know, and and including lynx, even though it's they're federally pr- protected, state protected, federally protected in the lower forty eight. And uh, so, it, you know, here here we're here's where we are today. And I don't know how much of that you want to cover because you have not you and I have not done a podcast, although I've done about nineteen hundred other podcasts. I think. Uh, I think. But here's, I want to cover where we're at today on initiative 91. I think the last time that we talked, uh, it was going through the title board hearing Mm -hmm. and, or we just come out of the title board hearing and we were all planning CRWM leading the charge there to, um, you know, appeal this to the, the Colorado Supreme court. So where have we gone from there, Dan? There's a lot to cover. So since then, since you and I spoke on on a podcast last, we spoke multiple times and been in each other's presence. Uh, we are stuck with Initiative ninety one. Initiative ninety one was affirmed on January fourth of this year, but but not after, not only after uh, three and a half months of of fighting appeals and and posturing and maneuvering on the political landscape, the the legal side of things. And also dealing with another initiative that they that they attempted to try to circumvent our mm-hmm. uh, successes on Initiative 91. So not to backtrack too far, but we dealt with two initiatives through the legal process to the tune of several hundred thousand dollars uh, to get through those steps, through legal, legal challenges, through the Supreme Court, Secretary of State, Title Board, Legislative Councils, all the mumble jumble language that your listeners probably in all likelihood don't really care about in this measure for these avocational pursuits uh, mm-hmm. about electronic calling to a uh, collaring devices, not calling it's, it's, uh, it's needs to be distinguished there. Uh, right. But, uh, there's wait a second. You're telling me that there's language. Maybe I haven't looked at the final initiative here, but there's language in there about electronic collars for on, on dogs. And, and, uh, so, so that brings up another deal and, and through our, through our legal challenges, their attorney even said, we don't believe that electronic collars should be used on any dog for game pursuit. Mm -hmm. Uh, now they were talking about mountain lions and bobcats in this context, but, but they're not talking about it in the grand scheme of things. They're also talking about mountain lions and bobcats, but if you read the language in the measure, even though we got trophy hunting out of the title, it's still a hunting ban now. It's not a trophy hunting ban. Right. We got trophy hunting out of the title of Initiative 91 that was affirmed on January 4th. But the language of the measure, you could take mountain lions or bobcats out of those little lines, and it would be banning the harvest of elk or bighorn sheep or bears or coyotes because mm-hmm. of the distinguishing factor of what they've got for 
in their definition of the measure, trophy hunting means intentionally killing, wounding, stalking, pursuing, or entrapping a mountain lion or bobcat. Why? Why do you think they came? Why do you think they started with um, mountain lions and bobcats? It's Let's a little hanging fruit. Why? Why do? You, why do you think that, Dan? I've well, said been, before. They, I want to get your. I want. So, I want my audience to hear your opinion. Well, well they've been on our ass on. for quite some time. I mean, I'll, I'll go on all the way back to 1996 when they they banned the the utilization of foothold traps, body gripping devices, and cable restraint devices with a constitutional amendment. And and the Colorado was a much different state back then. But we we held them at bay, uh, houndsman terms. Um, <laughs> and you know, I got to throw that out there a little bit. But we we held them at bay since '96 up until 2020. When they came at us with a, a wolf introduction citizens petition initiative, which passed, but just to just to talk about the last five years, we beat them back with a citizens petition to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission to ban the harvest of bobcats. Right, we beat them back with this governor's own commission that he mm-hmm. appointed. In 2020, they came back again during COVID and did the same thing, and we beat them back. And both times we beat them eleven to zero. And it needs to be mentioned of that because that's what this governor's appointments in 2021, they attempted to do it again, but knew that they would probably not have favorable outcomes. So they withdrew their citizens petition through the Parks and Wildlife Commission. Mm -hmm. And then 22, they decided to up the game, add mountain lions to it, and then go legislatively and try to run a bill through the General Assembly here, which we then, the Senate Bill 31, which we beat again. I mean, you know, they just keep chipping away, chipping away and trying to find a chink in the armor or trying to build their armament up through these political appointments and gubernatorial elections and all the other stuff. And so they didn't like losing four times in a row. And their only other option, unless they went back to the commission or tried to run another piece of legislation, was to go to the ballot mm-hmm. and mislead and deceive and outright lie to the to the voter about what their intent was. And that's why it was so important that we we figured to get trophy hunting out of the uh, language, the, the title language. But but we can't do anything with the measure itself. Mm-hmm. But, but that's where we end up today because it's it's been five years of historical precedent where it's been punch for punch, tit for tat, and then they come back and go, okay, you want you want to play hardball? Let's go to the public and see what they say. I think I think they really uh, they really expected the houndsmen to be standing out there alone to try to fight this on their own. Uh, it, everything that, that the animal rights movement, the animal extremists do is usually very well strategized. So they thought Colorado's fertile ground. They've got the demographics there they need uh, for the voting public. And there's no way that this loosely organized hound hunting community can stand up to it. They won't be, we won't be funded well enough. We won't, you know, we're not organized and all these things. And what I've seen is a freaking groundswell. I mean, they, they picked a, they picked a fight with the big dogs on this one. And because the big dogs are willing to jump in. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Look, I, you know, I'm I'm the executive director of the Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management that we're talking about here today. But I'm also the president for the Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunters Association. Mm-hmm. I have been since 2014, and I was the vice president for three and a half years before that. I've been involved in wildlife law uh, regulation, 
conservation efforts, you know, the majority of my adult life. I, I run and operate a wildlife control business with my son. And although he's not 37 years old, I've, I've had it and operated it for 37 years. And uh, th this is something we've been, we've been having to fight because of Colorado's changing demographics over the course of the last 30 plus years mm -hmm. and specifically starting hard in 2020. And now in the last six years, since this governor and his spouse, um, first gentleman, Marlon Reese, uh, since they've actually taken office because Marlon Reese is an animal rights extremist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so we, we are, at, we are at the crossroads with multiple things that we've had to deal with at so many different levels. And, and I've, I, I want to preface this by saying this is not a slight towards the houndsman associations, but let's just talk straight about it. I want, I want yeah. to have a, I want to talk, I want to chew this thing right down to the bone because we've get, this message has got to get out there. Well, the complacency with mediocrity on the landscape of people thinking that it's not going to come to my door. It's not going to come to my state. It's not going to affect me. But when we when we continually fought things and fought things and fought things and fought things, and while there was minimal engagement from a few individuals over the course of the last five or six years, association-wise, the houndsmen weren't structured enough. And, I, and I'm trying to I'm trying to do this tactfully without calling anybody out. But when we beat Senate Bill 31 at the Capitol on February 3rd of, of 2022. It was the Colorado Trappers and Predator Hunters Association and the Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management that made the 1,300 phone calls that turned around and browbeat and shamed and admonished and belittled whomever to get to the Capitol that day. And we put 350 people at the Capitol, yeah. but we should have had six or 700, but it <laughs> snowed. And what do lion hunters do when it snows? It was four below zero at the Capitol. And I had people calling me for two days before going, well, you know, I've got a client coming in and, and, uh, and if it snows gates, I'm, we're just not going to be able to make it there. And, uh, you know, we're, we, we, and I'm thinking, look, I'm not a houndsman. You know, I run dogs for, for trap line and stuff, mm -hmm. but if you won't take one day at that point in time, one day to go fight for your privileges to be able to, you know, it's not a right. It's a privilege. It's not, it's, it's not constitutionally bound. It's a privilege and it's a management it's a, tool. I, I just call it a freedom. You know, people yeah. get balled up about free, you know, rights and privileges and things like that. But this is, this is freedom. You know, this is a, a your freedom to go out yeah. and hunt with your hound that you've got so much invested in. So carry on. Well, and, and so I'm surprised that we got as many people as what we did because of the weather conditions that were around the state at that particular time. That right. got that, that now the guys that showed up, hey, kudos to them. They sacrificed a day of their, you know, hound hunting capabilities and, and endeavors to, to be able to come and fight. And they stood around there and they saw what some of the legal processes were. And we were victorious. We won four to one. And yep. everybody came out and hula, you know, just like Braveheart. And, oh, we're all good to go. And we're <laughs> going to go lion hunting tomorrow and we're going right. to start all over. But I told those guys at different levels, and I'm not singling out a person or an organization, you better get your shit together. Mm -hmm. because the the weaknesses that we have on the landscape, the volatility of the landscape, how fragile the landscape is, is something that you need to prepare for. And I say that because I've, I've been doing this for the last 20 some odd years. It's not something that you just show up bits for three minutes and get what you want. It's a, it's a long drawn out patient process. And they, the opposition is, is always posturing and maneuvering for their next move. Mm -hmm. And they're well-funded and they're structured and they got paid staff. 
Well, when this thing dropped here this year and in, in the last year in Initiative 91, for the most part, the Houndsman community did not do any further preparation from February 3rd until September 22nd. And when I started making the phone calls and we started having these conversations, it was almost like attempting to try to reinvigorate some faction of an organization that it had no knowledge of what was going on in the landscape because they hadn't been screwed with for the past, you know, 20 months. Mm-hmm. And, and so what the, the message of that is it's not calling people out. It's telling other people to get off your ass and get prepared for the inevitable. It is coming to your door. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by joy dog food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. I did a pod. We did dropped a podcast um, just a, recently with Naomi, and we talked yep. about this very thing. You know, if if these hound organizations don't have a ten year plan right now, starting today, you know, she talked about so many things that that had we started ten years ago, if we'd have done this ten years ago. Well, today is look at today is ten years ago, and think about where you're at now. If you could stand up to something like this, because there's a lot that goes into what you do, Dan. It's it's not just doing podcasts. It's it's days at the Capitol. It's building relationships with policymakers. It's you know there's a lot of stuff that you do behind the scenes. You don't just come out of the woodwork when there's a threat. You're working all the rest of the time to make sure that you have access to the influential and key people who can help us secure our freedoms for the future. Chris, when you, when you came to Outdoorsman Days last year on the night of the banquet, that Saturday night, I vividly, vividly recall looking down to the audience as my dumbass was holding the microphone and being the MC for the night and asking how many people in this audience know what Senate district they live in, what congressional district they live in, who their county commissioner is, who their representative or their senator or their congressman is. Do, can they name three of the 11 parks and wildlife commissioners that, that, that sit there. The reason I say that it's not to turn around and, and point fingers at anybody and say, Oh, you're a bunch of dumb bastards. It's to say, look around the room and see how many people aren't holding their hands up. And that's why these things are happening to us for conservation efforts, for sportsmen and women, for the North America model on the mm-hmm. landscape, because all of those people that I mentioned are acting either against us un- unintentionally or intentionally, depending on who that elected them. But if you don't know any of those things, you don't know who you need to contact when the time is right. You don't need to know who you need to oppose when the time is right. You don't need to, you, you don't know who you have the ability to influence collectively or individually when the time is right. 
Those are the people that are making the decisions, the decision-making people on our behalf on the landscape. And those are preparations that I took it upon myself, you know, 15, 18, 20 years ago at different levels to make sure that we didn't lose anything else. That doesn't make me meaner, better, faster, stronger. Than, actually, it probably makes me dumber than everybody else because while, while I've not been doing the things that I've, you know, I used to trap for five months out of the year and run a wildlife control business the rest of the time. I trapped for 30 days this year because the legislative session started and they started dropping bills left and right. And uh, I'll we, tell you what, man, to- I've, I've got the sorriest pack of hounds I've had in 30 years right now. Yeah, because you ain't doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I'm, I'm doing these podcasts and I'm traveling to Denver and I'm driving to CI and I'm not, it takes a toll. And, and the reason, I guess we just need to say it. The reason we do it is because I want Josh and Jason Whitaker and Cody Lostro and Naomi and, and all those people that are, that are, that want to line hunt. I want them to be able to do that. And, and I'm, it's very important to me. And I guess it goes with my nature, you know, Marine Corps, 30 years in conservation. Uh, you know, I'm a freaking crusader. Yeah, I am by nature. I love hunting and stuff, but, but I like a good fight too. So, well, we're, we're in a landscape now, not just with the, the, the initiative that we're you know, preparing to fight. They're out gathering signatures at the, at this point on the initiative to put it onto the ballot because yep. we went through all the legal challenges. Let's, let's get to that. I, before yeah. we do, I just want to sum up something that, that Will Marquardt said to me. Uh, we're at, what's the name of that place we went to eat dinner? The Buckhorn Exchange. The Buckhorn Exchange, an iconic historic resident uh, restaurant in Denver. And this is what Will said. And I, I wrote it down because it was so, we're not fighting against something as much as we're fighting for the hearts and minds of people that don't necessarily oppose us, but may vote against us. And that goes for our legislators and our commissioners as well. They're, they're not necessarily standing up and opposing hunting, but if they're not familiar with it and they just read the title on this ballot, they may vote against us. So that's why our job is so oh, yeah. important to go out and develop those relationships and make sure that people understand exactly what what we do and what our opposition is trying to do. So and, and to that point, uh, explaining to the audience that if they don't already know, if they're organizations that they're familiar with and part of and part of whether they volunteer or just pay dues or whatever, if they don't have the capabilities of having lobbying representation on behalf of your interest or the association and organization's interest, then you're missing the boat because then you need to become a volunteer lobbyist. You need to be, and I say that because look, I'm putting 80 to a hundred hours a week into this crap. My kid is covering our ass on the business. My wife is doing the stuff for two different associations. We've got, we've got paid lobbyists. We got paid strategists. We got paid attorneys. We got paid accountants. I mean, this crap takes money. Everybody's getting paid except you, Dan. Well, and, and I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting a stipend from CRWM because the board decided if if you don't take something, you can't survive. You'll end up going bankrupt on your. I mean, yeah. you. This is not something that I've done haphazardly, and it's not something I've done short term. But it just magnifies and grows, right. and it's, it's like a bunch of freaking locusts on a cornfield. Yeah, uh, and, and it's 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 time consuming, it's health consuming, it's financially consuming. The bandwidth that you have to dedicate to this is 
is something to where if everybody had preparation for it from an association standpoint, you would be undeniably the strongest people that those legislators and those commissioners and those those administrative individuals ever could work with because you have something that you're fighting for while the other ones are just constantly trying to take it away. Mm-hmm. And and so where we where we sit right now and what we're trying to accomplish, I know it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but people need to understand that it's not it's not something that you can pay attention to when the ballot comes out and you can check a box and say, huh, we won that. Everybody needs to get involved. And I, I hate to say get off your asses, but they need to get involved in some capacity. And checking a box is, is the, probably the most important thing. But if you don't do all your preparation before that to check the box, then then what difference does it make if you check the box or not? Because there's about 97 million other people out there that are going to check the box oppositely. If we mm-hmm. don't educate, if we don't inform, if we don't engage in, if we don't you know, include them as part of this decision-making process when it comes to ballot. But if it's even not the ballot, they have influence to contact their legislators during legislative assemblies. They have their chance to be able to contact commissioners during the commission process. And every state in the, in the country has a game commission. Yeah, We don't want them the the opposition to take the lead on anything without our input and i chris you're a former game warden i mean i'm the enemy yeah you're you're the bad guy (laughs) but as a conservationist as a hunter-vationist as a as a supporter of science-based wildlife management i don't think that there's anybody that i know that i can adamantly you know put their name on a pedestal and go that guy there would oppose every single thing that the game department comes up with no i think that if parks and wildlife or any other game agency came to the constituents and said we have a problem with mountain lion populations that we're concerned with we have a problem with possum populations or, or you know whatever right we need your help we need to be proactive in addressing those issues because that's part of science based wildlife management and we would be the first to step up and either offer our services or maybe even be able to pull back on on harvest or or season structures or whatever. But that's not the case. It's the animal rights activists, the extremists that are circumventing that entire process. I think they us against them. That gets lost so many times in the in the narrative in the discussion about hunting. You know, the the way that the image of the the hunter has been crafted by our opposition uh, is very misleading and misunderstood by those people that don't necessarily oppose us, but they're not willing to, to or they may vote against us. The same people Will was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, we are, we, and, we, and we are some we are some knuckle dragon Neanderthals to by, them. Absolutely. But so, but I said that to say this. When the you know who's who's crying for bear bear hunters to stop killing bears in Shenandoah County, uh, Virginia, bear hunters, bear hunters are telling people stop killing bears. Our bear numbers are low. Stop killing bears. They're they're talking to their fellow hunters. They're trying to trying to tell the uh, Department of Wildlife Resources out there to stop issuing depredation permits because they're in the field and they see the numbers. They're looking at harvest reports. And so nobody values wildlife more than we do, more than you do. Nobody. We put our, we put our work into it. We put our, 
our, all of our energy into it and we put our money in it and we've, we've paid for it. And it's time that we step up. No, nobody listening to this podcast will let somebody walk into their house and steal something. And that's basically what we're doing. We're letting people walk into our house and take something that belongs to us. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we, the extremist don't care. And I say this often about what species, about what season, about what method of take, but they do take the low hanging fruit. The ones that seem like it's the easiest to be able to conquer, which, Mm -hmm. which also helps conquer and divide the stakeholders like on our side of the fence. Right. Uh, if, if, and they've said this, they've said this, we, if we take the low hanging fruit, which in this case are the bobcat hunters, the trappers and the mountain lion hunters and the, and the individual houndsmen, we take the low hanging fruit, then we chop the branch off, then we chop the tree down and then we go to the forest. Well, the rest of everybody else that we're talking about is either part of the tree or part of the forest. Right. Um, and, and I think that, that if people recognize the fact, read the language in initiative 91 here. Read what they don't want you to do in pursuit of mountain lions and, and bobcats, but their ultimate goal is to take mountain lions and bobcats out. As soon as you start talking about uh, tools, especially in today's environment, the average guy knows why you use elect electronic collars, electronic tracking devices on your dogs. For one, yeah. you know where your dogs are at, but this is not the 1820s where it didn't really matter where your dog went. You need to know if your dog is in that game management unit, if it's on a piece of property, if it's going into some you know location that that you can't even get to to be able to turn around and get the dog, mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to find where that animal has been been pursued to, to where you can make the ethical ethical decision if you want to harvest that animal or not, right? Whether it's a raccoon or whether it's a female mountain lion or whatever. There's 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 so many components of this that they're misguiding the general public on. The general public thinks that electronic, an electronic collar on my hound somehow gives me some sort of advantage. Like, like when my dog, uh, when one of my hounds trees a mountain lion and they're three miles through there, somehow it's going to magically transport me to that tree and, and make it easier. Well, if the hound's three miles away, that decision's already been made for me. I'm walking to that hound through yep. rough terrain. I don't get to pick the spot. I didn't have a conference with the lion before he took off. I didn't tell my dogs. My dogs, my dogs aren't good enough um, to to that I can communicate with them and say, "Hey, don't take him any farther. Train right here." That doesn't happen. The, the mm-hmm. decision's been made for me. When that hound stops that game, I've got to go to that, regardless of where they're at. Well, and, and to that point, I've had people ask me during this process or over the over the course of history of my involvement, well, th- well Theodore, Theodore Roosevelt didn't need tracking collars. I, th- I said, well, Theodore Roosevelt didn't have game management units with quotas in them that he had to turn around and comply with. Theodore Roosevelt didn't have major highways and 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 tons of tracks of private property that would that you know that 40, 40 acre, five acre, two acre subdivisions, golf courses, municipalities. I mean, there's a component of what we do on the landscape now when it comes to pursuing something that that Theodore Roosevelt and even even people in the 1950s and 60s didn't have to contend with what people do now in the in the 2020s and eventually the 2030s and 40s. This is. It's a tool is what it is. It's if, not an if, advantage. If Daniel Boone would have had access to a 30 out six rifle mounted with a scope, he would have used it. 
you know, so, you know, so that is not even a, I just look at those people and it's like, well, your great grandfather didn't have an iPhone, but you're sitting there looking at TikTok on an iPhone. So, yeah, you know, and and communicating with your family and got your, your life 360 on there. So you can keep track of every move your wife makes or whatever, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges argument. Well, and, and, and where we are on these initiatives at this point in time, it's, it's, it's a component of, of educating the general public but also educating our side of the fence. Why yes. aren't you doing this? How come yes. we don't do that? How come we didn't do this? And I'm like, you got $3 million to do that? We might we might look at that option. We're, but right now we have the devil at the door that's breathing fire, trying to burn the door down. And then we have other things that are being thrown at us through ballot initiatives and legislation and citizens petitions all at the same time. And we're still turning around and trying to hold the line on the ballot initiative, which is the ultimate goal. That's our Super Bowl for this year. But we still have to worry about all those other components that we're dealing with. Well, I want to talk. I want to spend just a couple minutes. You and I get we get carried away, and we can we can really start laying it out there. Um, I think we need to for people that are going to tune into this podcast, and I've got a few that will tune in. Yeah, we keep using. There's like three. There's three. There'll be three because you're on here, so I'll pick up one more. Shorty's Shorty and Cody and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's four. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there'll be people that, that don't understand some of the terms we're using. And I think we keep using the term science-based wildlife management. And when you can sit down with a non-hunter, not an anti-hunter, a non-hunter, and tell them that there are scientists in the field who are doing studies and hunters assist them by going out and taking wildlife off the landscape that these scientists have have determined are going to exceed carrying capacities, be susceptible to disease if the populations get too high. We are, as a hunter, I am part of the wildlife management. I am part of the science-based wildlife management. Mm-hmm. I'm on the team. And, and we're simply the, and Shorty Gorm used this term, we are the worker bees for the scientists who are studying these wildlife populations and saying, hey, you know, mountain lion hum- numbers are too high. Uh, we do that back here, back east on white-tailed deer, man. They're, they set quotas, they set harvest objectives, and it's our job as hunters to go out and help the scientists accomplish their goals for the overall benefit of this wildlife population out here on the landscape. I think... I think some of our followers, I say ours as far as the hunting and angling trapping community, I think some of our followers don't understand the the differentiation between science-based wildlife management that we profess to adhere to. And and some of our followers, our stakeholders, don't understand the the full description of the North American model of wildlife conservation. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes, it can become the, the water becomes more muddy and the skies become more cloudy when you start talking about, we support this and we adhere to that. If you haven't investigated those practices, if you don't know the, the process of what wildlife management entails, then you're not part of the problem. It's just that it makes it harder for you to be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And, and that's talking to your, 
to your congregation and your family and to your neighbors and to your coworkers and to just somebody, you know, stranger on the street because you got a houndsman sticker in the back window and they go, what is that? Or, or they see your dogs with their heads sticking out of the boxes and they go, why do you have those? You have right. to be able to, you have to be able to educate the general public in a, in a form that you come off like you're the expert. And if you're not the expert, that you at least adhere to the expert standards that have been created over the course of the last 125 years. Yeah. And, and to, to some guy that doesn't play at this level, maybe this doesn't make a bunch of sense or he doesn't even really care about it. But I can tell you that what we're having to deal with here and what I've had to engage in over the course of the last 15 or 18 or 20 years, to Naomi's point, when she did your podcast, if everybody started something 10 years ago, we wouldn't be here today where we're at. Right. If we didn't do what we did 10 and 12 and 15 years ago, we would be far worse off if not have already lost all this crap to where we wouldn't even be on the playing field today to start to to start defeating and defending science-based wildlife management, the North American model of wildlife conservation, and all the components that go into that stakeholder engagement. And I want to I want to emphasize that stakeholder engagement is not amongst your peers by itself. If you are a houndsman and you're not incorporating your thought process into the turkey hunter, well, then you're dropping the ball. If you're a houndsman, explain explain that. Well, they don't know about you. You do something completely different. I mean, how many, there's not very many television shows that utilize hounds as far as their, you know, great big glory to turn around. There's some. But I could turn on the Sportsman Channel or the Outdoor Channel, and every freaking Sunday morning, there's a damn turkey show on there. Or there's a duck right. hunting show on there. It's right. you know why? Because it's easier. Because you don't have to have a pack of hounds, and there's not the the oversight that goes along with it as like what there is on on duck hunting or maybe turkey hunting. There's not scrutiny. Somebody's not really trying to take that stuff off the landscape yet because they're still working on lions and bears and bobcats and raccoons and the utilization of hounds because right. that's a low hanging fruit. Yeah, we need to educate our own people. And the thing that I would tell people, you know, getting, getting legislators and commissioners involved is a tough task, but if anybody it all has the wherewithal to go to a meeting, formulate race relationships, deal with your legislator. If you're a constituent of him, let him know that what you do and how you do it, when you do it and where you do it, offer to take him on a hunt, mm-hmm. offer to see what the, the hound part of it is. Make sure that you're legal and make sure you're ethical and make sure you're tasteful when you do it. Right. You know, but but we we can carry that message to people that don't know and that can act on our behalf with best intentions if they know that we are ethical, that we are moral, that we're part of the conservation process and with objectives and models and the North American model. We can make a big difference if we educate right. the people that are dealing with stuff on, on our behalf. We don't do that a lot of the times with our own community. I mean, I you know how many people have asked me from the from just the sportsman community about trapping? They read books about Jim Bridger or maybe about John Coulter <laughs> or the you know the fur trade area. They don't squat about trapping. You're right. a trapper. Oh man, I always wanted to trap and I always wanted to do this. You know how many legislators and commissioners that I've run into over the lo- last 20 years that you can see a glimmer of a star in their eye, a little twinkle in their eye when they turn around and say, uh, you know, these guys are 60, 70 years old. And of course I'm 60, but, th- but they're like, you know, I, tra- I trapped through high school and man, those were some of the best days I ever had. And I paid for my first car. I bought a, I bought right. a 54, 54 <laughs> forward pickup and, and, uh, and, and, 
you know, there's, there's an education process that just because they are all upper level business people or appointed or elected officials now doesn't mean they didn't come from our grassroots. They were all just, kids. Yeah. They were all and kids they, at some point. And there are fewer and fewer of them that are coming from our grassroots. Yeah. Because now you look at the age of legislators and they're 30 and 40. Well, they didn't do any of the stuff that we did when we were kids because right. we're 50 and 60. But how do you get them involved? Take them out. Take them right. on a shotgun a shooting clays course. Take them on a pheasant hunt. Take them on a coon hunt. Take them on to take, do something with them. But we don't do that well enough. And if we did, we would start to see an interest and an understanding of what we do on the landscape. But right now, when we go there, they're taking the word of the animal extremist. They don't have any idea themselves because they've never done it. Right. And then we come in there and then we try to argue it. And sometimes we don't argue it in the best fashion available. Right. Well, let's boil it down, man. I know that you want, that we're, I've told everybody, you know, if I get somebody, it's like, ah, well, you know, we're not going to win. We can't win. We can't. Uh, Colorado's a lost cause. This is my message. In 30 years, my whole adult life, I've worked and seen efforts on wildlife measures and, and wildlife policy, and, and I've never seen a groundswell, a well-organized, strategized group like I'm seeing now that's, that's standing up to these attacks on on f- hunting and freedoms of freedoms of people to hunt like I'm seeing in Colorado and you're responsible for that Dan and I just want to tell everybody don't think that this is oh they're doing great ma'am we are in the third round of a 15 round fight and you know we've got a lot of time left on the game clock and and we've got to continue to push we've got to continue to educate We've got to continue to fundraise because it's, I want to talk about all of that stuff and let's, let's dive right into where we're at with 91 and all the logistics that go with it. You know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast. I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps, and when you check out, enter the code HXP20, and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. The Houndsman XP podcast only endorses products that we would use ourselves. And I do use Elite Nutrition supplements. Elite Nutrition offers supplements for your horses, your mules, your dogs, and even you. These all-natural products work with your dog's natural immune system and its normal natural body function, not to treat symptoms, but to fix problems. Stop pumping pharmaceutical toxins into yourself or your dogs 
and start using these all-natural products that work with the perfect system that God gave you. Go to tryelitenutrition.com and check out their products for wound care, prebiotic, probiotic, puppy stuff. It's all there. Parasite control. If you expect extreme performance, you need Elite Nutrition. So first, you mentioned that we are in the third round of a 15-round title fight, and we have won the first two rounds through the legislative process, through Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court process. When people tell me from our side of the fence that, well, guess we're going to lose this one. I'm like, why the hell would you say that? Exactly. I I don't, you know, I, I said this on on a Bo Mettenox uh, podcast the other day that, uh, you know, I just, look, I'm not a scripted guy. I just talk off the cuff and, and, and I ramble and get down a rabbit hole as you're well aware of, but, uh, me too. It, it, there's, I don't want that guy being, I don't want that negativity. I don't want that guy being the quarterback of my team. Right. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, we are going in to win and Charles Whitlam with how He's down in South Carolina right now, and next week we're meeting up in in uh, Salt Lake City for the Western Hunt Expo. He sent me a, a screenshot last night, and I saw it on Instagram and stuff this morning. We just took our, our donation in from the 50th state. 50 individual states, people from those states have contributed to this cause. And I'm talking about $20 donations to $100,000 donations. We have we have accomplished more than what we had ever expected to at this point in the game because of the disorganized efforts that had preceded us on so many different levels around the country. When when we have the the momentum that we've got at this point in time at this level, not only just on the legal side of it, but on the strategy side of it, the representation side of it, uh, the the circle the circle that has been created in this is is remarkable. I mean, for anybody that's followed my dumbass on any of the social media stuff, which, you know, 10 weeks ago, there was no social media stuff on CRWM or Dan Gates. Look at it now. <laughs> tell me, tell me we're not making headway. Right. Tell me we're not making an impact on the landscape. And and so that has driven us to a level to where now other people are going, well, maybe they do have a puncher's chance. No, we right. don't have a puncher's chance. We have a boxer's chance. Right. Because we've been we've been preparing for this type of effort for the last 15 years, and especially since we formulated CRWM with that buddy of mine, Chris Journey, I got to continually give him credit, and sometimes I don't. But he's fighting other issues on wolf stuff now here in Colorado. It's not that not not that we're the pathfinder. We just decided that enough is enough, and and to do what we need to do with this political landscape that we've got here to capitalize on the efforts and the momentums and successes that we had previously, because. Everything that we've engaged in at this point in time, we are undefeated. And I say that because we didn't engage in the wolf deal because we were fighting all this other crap. And the wolf deal was only a decision that was made by 1.9% of the entire voting public in the state of Colorado. It's not like that was a groundswell where everybody said, oh, we're going to screw the hell out of the hunters and the the domestic livestock production. We are in a point right now for battling that when we hired our strategy team, Pack West with Mark Truex, who you met, you interviewed down in Nashville. Mm-hmm. When we hired him, I could see this level of pessimism and optimism at the same time. He knew he knew how enthusiastic I was, and he knew the contacts that we had, and he knew that what we'd built up previously. But he almost was like, <laughs> you know, do you realize who you're up against? 
Do you realize what they're doing? Do you realize who they hired? Do you realize, you know, the, the momentum that they carried into this state? And now he's like, I just can't believe that you've been able to accomplish what you've able to accomplish over the last four months and put us in this position for the next stages of this fight. So to get into the, a little bit into the weeds, people continually ask us at this point in time, what can I do? Well, we need money still. This is not, I mean, you've got to build up an armament, a war chest for this. But to do that, it's education and it's outreach through our community. Because while we're doing all of this in preparation for the big battle, the opposition now is out gathering signatures and they need 125,000 signatures, 124,234 signatures to get it on the ballot. It always cracks me up when you give the exact number. I love that. It's like (laughs) this guy is dialed in. They need Somebody will say they need 125,000 signatures. And you're like, no, they need 124,354. 234. Oh, 234. I'm sorry. I got it mixed up. Get the the numbers right here. (laughs) Well, we'll be holding. I'll stop at Boulder City and make sure that I... Yeah, <laughs> that's a private I'm, joke. That's an inside I'm, I'm joke. I'm looking forward to that. So, <laughs> so, but you know, they they likely probably need 170 to 190 thousand signatures because some will be not uh, legible. Some will not be uh, able to be certified. So they'll need more than what they actually need to to weed out the ones that right. you know aren't good. And uh, and and then the Secretary of State will will go through and they'll they'll do their compilations and, and data collection to figure out if they met the measure or not. Now, what I want to say is they have until July 4th to accomplish their signature gathering process because the 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 title was affirmed on January 4th. So they got until July 4th. If I said J- January to start with, I apologize. But, you, no, uh, you didn't. You're good. Okay. Uh, so they, they started on January 4th. They have until July 4th, but because of our processes that we were going through on the second initiative through the Supreme Court challenge, they opted not to immediately act on the January 4th deadline. So they didn't really even notice the Secretary of State until like the 30th of January that we are withdrawing Initiative 101 and we are going to go gather signatures on Initiative 91. Mm -hmm. So they lost about three and a half weeks in that in that 180 day process. To where if they would have been prepared, if they would have been uh, well-structured enough, in my opinion, if we hadn't been challenging them through this other measure, they they could have started gathering signatures probably somewhere in the first week of January. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to back up, to show you that first two rounds of that 15-round bout that we won, if we didn't appropriately address this initiative starting on the 25th of September last year, if we didn't fight through the two-week challenges to start the initial process of that, they likely would have been gathering signatures starting November 1st and going through the Christmas holiday season. Well, everybody's out shopping. Everybody's walking past the, you know, out of the Walmart and the yep. Coles. And- yep. And and so we delayed them. We set them back. And I don't think that they were fully prepared for that. And while we'll take credit, it doesn't mean that we're out of the woods. It doesn't mean that we have a victory in hand. It just means that we have to be cognizant of it's a 15 round bout and that we are going through each round as it, as it moves to that process. If they get their signatures by July 4th, then everything has to be certified somewhere around August 5th so they can print the ballots and then get the blue books and everything printed 
And then the mail-in ballots will be sent out October 5th or in people's hands in, and then the general election will happen on November 5th. Now there's a chance, a chance that they don't get the signatures or they're not certified. We are preparing for the inevitable that we think that no matter what, they're going to figure out a way to get the signatures. And if they do so, that puts us into the latter start stages of that title bout, probably for the, the 10 and 11 and 12th round for the final three months of the election process. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're gathering, we're, they're out gathering signatures right now. Um, what other updates do you have on for us on 91? The outreach nationwide and through Canada is, is nothing less than remarkable. The people that are contacting us, uh, wanting to contribute, wanting to help in a variety of different levels, wh whether some of it's messaging, some of it's outreach, some of it's just rallying the troops, some some of it's just getting the factual information out there about what things are actually happening and what hurdles we have to cross and how we have to move to the next step of what we're doing. And 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 so for anybody that's paid attention at any level on this, you know, we've been at Sheep Show. We were at the ISE Show. We were at Shot Show, and it's not like we're traveling around having a great big grand old time. I could tell you Mark, that. I mean, Mark Truex and and I were and I were at, on the ground in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and at SCI at SCI. And, and Robbie to that Kroger point, was there. Robbie Kroger was there. Robbie's been at multiple different locations. Mm -hmm. We run into Sloan Brown, who just texted me uh, from Spartan Forge. You know, they're they're doing a great big deal. Uh, you look at the Montana Knife Company with. Uh, Josh Smith, uh, Kuyu, uh, Stone Glacier, Yeti, uh, Quiet Cat, Hornaday, Nosler, people that are reaching out, organizations, industry leaders that are reaching out to help participate in this whole process of defeating the enemy because the enemy is coming at the door that they think it's important enough to put a flag in the ground and say, you're not coming past this flag anymore. Right. Uh, and, and so... I, I want to give a shout out because I want people to understand the SCI convention that you were at in Nashville. They did a, a president's call down there and raised somewhere around $225,000 from the president's chapters for this mm -hmm. effort. At the same time, we were getting commitments from the shot show in Las Vegas, which is the shooting hunting outdoor trade show, you know, a hundred thousand attendees and 3,300 vendors. And we were invited to go there. Because the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is a substantial partner in this fight with us, helped set up a press conference. And we did that press conference. And then we had people from all around the country, you know, in the industry that are that are doing stories and doing podcasts and doing outreach and doing messaging. Uh, when we went to the Wild Sheep Foundation, uh, Wild Sheep graciously took our request that the Hill Ranch gave us a, uh, a very prestige uh, prestigious elk hunt on the hill ranch for this right. coming for this coming october they took that they auctioned it it brought uh fifty thousand dollars and before i made it out of the room that night of 2500 people that were there for the auction i took in another twenty five thousand dollars from individuals writing five and ten thousand dollar checks and then since then the outreach that has been so remarkable from that audience not only just monetarily but facilitation wise uh, utilization of tools and, and in-kind donations and support on the landscape to, tr to try to generate not only enthusiasm, 
but to help support the funding mechanism to get us to those final rounds of that title fight, like I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm literally, I'm 80 to a hundred hours a week on this crap in some capacity. And I don't think that really actually includes travel, but you and I become friends over this. Yeah. And, and I can foresee if nothing else, that we'll probably run into each other at Dean Cutter's house in friendship, Indiana at some point in time. Uh, but, but you know, the outreach that you see is driven by pessimism from previous campaigns nationwide, mm-hmm. but also with the optimism of one or two individuals and organizations to prop this up to start with. And then everybody else seeing, well, maybe I shouldn't be a defeatist. Maybe I shouldn't be negative. Maybe I shouldn't right. turn around and knock this down because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The Outfitters Associations are working things out. Howl for Wildlife is a big supporter of this because they've got a great message. They're 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 new on the landscape over the last several years, but they got a great message to help us accomplish what we need to accomplish because of all their contacts. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, and, and competition and podcasts and stuff. And I just want to mention Renella reached out, but within a day, Randy Newberg reached out, and I'm going to see both of them. Two days apart at the first week of May, or excuse me, first week of March, the day after the SCI banquet here in Colorado Springs, that is then promoting our efforts at all levels to make sure that we have the funds to get to the next level of those bouts. This is not a one-off. If you want to look at my damn schedule on here of people that are interested not to just promote their podcast, they're helping us promote the message. Right. They're pr- helping us promote the outreach that everybody else is like, I didn't even know this was happening. How do I help? Maybe I should get involved. You know, Spartan Forge is given a, a membership to their deal. If everybody gives $20 through through the CRWM, save the hunt, Colorado.com website, uh, Josh Smith with Montana Knife kicked in $5,000 and is doing other promotional efforts. Uh, Bo Metnock is, is doing things through his website to give 3% of their gross sales to this issue. Nosler is kicking money in. You know, the Dallas Safari Club, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Muley Fanatics. I can't can't praise enough of all the people. And I know I'm going to miss somebody just by not saying their name. But this is a movement, Chris. It's a significant movement that is happening and people need to pay attention. Well, I want to make sure that our audience understands that these people, these organizations, they do have a stake in this thing. They understand the big picture, the the future possible future threats to their membership and stuff like that. But it's time for us as houndsmen to stop throwing elk hunters and sheep hunters and everybody else under the bus that that we have had bad experiences with an elk hunter in, you know, while we're out trying to run a hound or man, we're all in this together. Every one of us, what we're seeing here is this unity and it solidifies and it's a great example of the message that I've tried to get out on this podcast for the last five years is we've got to find places to build bridges, not burn them down. And, and what, what we're seeing with what, what's going on in Colorado, we're seeing that it can work, that we're seeing the, the fruits of that labor. And it shows us that, that we can get there. Let's, let's wrap it up, Dan. Oh, we can't uh, yet. What, huh? <laughs> there's, okay. There's, the, there's two, those two other issues that we got here, too. 
this shows well, that okay this, this shows this shows the tenacity of our enemy because in Denver this year there's also a fur ban mm-hmm. that is being initiated for the Denver city and county residents to vote on it's a ballot initiative for that county and city and it's to ban the sale of wild fur but also the display of it the utilization of it and it incorporates beaver felt cowboy hats and it incorporates uh, fishing flies for fly tying or any of the accoutrements that you need to be able to do that. It incorporates everything that our association stands for in the harvest that we do. It incorporates every single thing that you could possibly look at from a, from a, a wild fur production. There's caveats in there about uh, Native American or indigenous peoples to be able mm-hmm. to sell their products. They can but they can't do it in the city of Denver. So they can't sell to any white guy like me that wants to collect native American artwork. And and they can't, if they go to a March powwow or they go to the Denver Indian market, they can't buy stuff from a white guy like me. Everything has to be intertraded between the native Americans. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know very many native Americans that go to turn around and try to do a, a great big event without dealing with the general public. Yeah, This is not a one-off. They don't want us to sell it. They don't want us to harvest it. They don't want us to conserve it. They don't want us to enjoy it, eat it, utilize it. And on top of that, there's another ballot initiative to ban one slaughterhouse in the Denver city limits. It's been there for over 100 years, and it's a lamb slaughterhouse, one of several in the country. That's on the ballot for those Denver city Mm -hmm. and county voters to vote on. We've got legislative issues that have come down through the pike over the course of the last five weeks of the legislative session from wildlife coexistence bills to try to get us to to live with wildlife peacefully with no lethal harvest. We've got wolf measures that we're dealing with. Colorado is the epicenter. And if they can capitalize on one or two or three of those ballot initiatives, they set the tone and narrative to move to other levels, not only in this state, but the Western United States to make sure that they take every single thing that I mentioned off the landscape. You want to eat a steak? They don't want you to. You want to wear a cowboy hat? They don't want you to. You want to harvest a raccoon? They don't want you to. You want to use a fly to fly fish? They don't want you to. You want to have a dog? They don't want you to. You want to use electronic collar? They don't want you to. They don't want you to do a damn thing. And they're trying to impose their beliefs on a segment of the population outside of the food source that doesn't do the things that most people do. Everybody eats. 94% of all people eat meat of some sort. So, but they want they want to make sure that they impose their beliefs, their rules, their regulations, their statutory requirements on everybody for every single thing. And that doesn't even get into the gun bill side of things what this state is trying to impose and how we even get into that. But right, you know, I want to give I want to give a shout out because I you know I said I would probably forget somebody. You mentioned him earlier in the podcast, and then I had a brain fart. Uh, Josh and Jason Whitaker, you know, kicked in a mountain lion hunt for. Uh, Safari Club International to raffle off, and those tickets will be available here fairly shortly. Uh, Doug Barnes with Ovis Wildlife is kicking in the full body mount to that hunt, and all of the yeah. funds from that particular raffle will go to this cause. That'll be an online raffle to where you can buy tickets online, and once we get that stuff up and it's set through the Secretary of State, I'm hoping that every podcast in the country will turn around and say, here, you can go to this website to get this and, and that that could be your chance to contribute to this marginally with a chance to be able to turn around and get something in return, but knowing mm-hmm. that you're doing it for the fight and for conservation. And then Gunworks also donated 
about a ten or eleven thousand dollar rifle and this light of gun shop donated a great big giant scope to go on it and sci colorado chapter of sci is doing that raffle but both of those tickets are through the legit legitimate stages of the secretary of state because of our raffle license laws and stuff right but but all of those things combined will help us defeat and i say this frequently the dragon at the door but the dragon at the door can fly he's got wings and all he has to yeah. do is cross state boundaries and municipality boundaries and county boundaries. And when we get done extinguishing the flame here, it's easy for them to turn around and, and take their flight to somewhere else. And we're just trying to help prepare everybody for that, build the blueprint, build the roadmap and create a victory. I don't think they will. I, I, I know they, they will eventually, but man, they're going to, that's what I've said, Dan. And I hate to keep saying this is what I said. But I think it's a valid point. I don't want to win this thing forty-nine to fifty-one like the the wolf ballot passed. I want to beat these people so bad that the next time they think about taking this road show to the next state, they have to really sit back and analyze and think about how much money they had to spend to lose. And and like, man, did you see what happened in Colorado? But I want, I want, I want people in Montana and Wyoming and New Mexico and Arizona to to see what's happening here, so that we can, like you said, to start preparing now, yes. So that so that they're going to come. You're not you're not wrong, but but we have an opportunity here to absolutely stand up, make a statement, and say we're done. We're done being pushed around. We can't do it. I don't know what we can do about the carbon footprint in China. You know, that's out of my league. But damn it, this is something that we can do and we need to be doing. And and I know you said you have one more thing that you wanted to cover. And then I want to wrap it up in a certain way here for our you, listeners. You bet. And and I and I gotta mention too, uh and I'm not trying two, to rush you. I'm just saying I've got a plan no, for wrapping it up. We can yeah. go as long as you want to talk. Cause it's no, and, and, and it, what people need to understand, while, while we talk a lot, um, stop thinking how much I've had to talk over the last four and a half months at every single level and, yeah. and, and through this process. So to, to try to say where we're at because of where we were and where we need to be, it's hard to do in a, in a one hour, you know, diabolical you know, state of lunacy of trying to explain to the general public <laughs> of, of how screwed up Colorado and the Centennial State is. Uh, but as naive as associations were on the aftermath of Senate Bill 31 when they tried to ban the harvest of mountain lions and bobcats, the resurgence from the houndsman community, which which I consider to be part of, even though I don't run hounds, I've been around this all of my life. I've been mm -hmm. around this whole, this whole process. I've probably been, well, I've been on a lot of lion hunts right. with a lot of people and I've harvested a fair amount of lions and I've harvested a lot of bobcats, uh, through my trapping and through calling and, and just predator harvest and such. But I want to give an, a shout out to, to two guys that step up and, and while, and, and the, if they listen to this, which I'm sure they will, it's not gone without consternation and, and criticism and, and maybe some finger pointing at different times, but Justin Anglovitz, who's the current president for the, for the United Houndsmen Association of Colorado, uh, and Cody Lodstro, the vice president 
for that organization have stepped up and have taken a lot of guidance from our direction. And I say our direction because it's been a collective community direction, but they've also take, taken criticism from me personally. And, <laughs> I know and, that and for a fact, yeah, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm not afraid to say that, but look, uh, when you haven't played at a professional level, and I'm not saying that I'm a professional, but when you haven't played at, at a professional level, it's hard to come in there and not want to do things like a bull in a China closet and say, this is how we do it. And this is what we need to do. And we need to get our point across. Well, I'll tell you what, if you haven't played on the landscape for 15 years and nobody ever heard of you or nobody, nobody ever knew what you did, they don't, they don't give a rat's ass. They don't care. Yeah. You have to build your steps and processes up to get to that level. And at the same time, you need to do it strategically, which both of those guys are coming around very well. And it's not a criticism. It's, it's an acknowledgement of what I see that the value that they can bring to the table if they continue to remain part of the coalition that is fighting on their behalf, because there's a shit pot of people out there, Chris, that don't have a dog in this fight, no pun intended, except for the fact that it has to do with conservation, animal right. extremism, yep, the North American model, and, and, and people's abilities to be able to pursue their, their endeavors and their pursuits in a legal, ethical, moral, and, and, and sustainable fashion. People don't understand how volatile this landscape is, but Cody and Justin are coming around to the point going, this is my perception of what they would say. Holy crap. There's a lot of stuff to do on this because it just doesn't have to do with right. this, this particular issue. There's, there's 9,000 pieces to this puzzle. And what we're talking about is like two Bobcats and mountain lions, but they're coming around so, so well that I just want to give them credit because Without guys like that that are willing to learn and engage and take some criticism, um, I don't think we can do this on a national level. And other people that haven't done it before need to take a little bit of a backseat approach to start with and find out who your allies are, who your advocates are, who your enemies are, and then figure out where you need to educate and where you need to educate yourself. You can't have influence without relationships. You know, you just, you've got to put in that work. Nobody gives a crap what you have to say until, until they know who you are. No. You know, they just don't. And I don't remember the exact quote that I guess it's nobody cares how you feel until the, I don't know. I, I'm going to butcher it, but <laughs> nobody, <laughs> what the hell am I trying to say? But anyway, you can't, you can't have influence without relationships. So no. what, what we're seeing here is Justin and Cody are start, are, are seeing the value of working outside of just how organizations are, are guilty of only focusing on their own interests, their own ability to, to have more opportunity to chase stuff with their hounds. They don't show up at the, the commission meetings when it's about clean water. If there's not a hound issue, they don't show up. They're not, they don't show up if there's a deer hunting uh, talking point or regulation. They, you know, that's a deer hunter's deal. It, this is a demonstration that you've got to show up. You've got to show up and you've got to support that fly fisherman. You've got to support the trapper, you've got to, if you want, cause we're not strong enough to stand up on our own. So that's my hope 
in the long run here, Dan, is they can see what's happening in Colorado, understand that this has taken years of relationship building and, and being able to have that influence and working with multiple groups so that you can stand up effectively. It's not good enough just to take membership money every year. And then when there's a threat to, to turning your dog loose, to go hunting, you, you sound the alarm and everybody floods the capital. That's, mm-hmm. that's not effective. The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm going to run through them real quick. You've got the Rogueroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you got to find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogueroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors. It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house changing tires on the side of the road my truck doesn't leave the driveway without a cajun light in it and that light is the micro gator every cajun light is durable made from the highest quality components and it is backed by cajun's top rated customer service check out cajun lights you can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com go to our sponsors page hit that link it'll take you right to cajun lights check them out they got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights. Mm-hmm. You ha- you have to you have to build for a championship team, and you right. know, I use sports analogies a lot because I like sports and, and I it's play easy. And I was, yeah, it's yeah because because it's in preparation for. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to a coach or you listen to a, a championship quarterback or a you know a a, a pitcher on a baseball team, it's one game at a time. And yep. but to, but but to get to the final game, you have to prepare for all of those other games, whether it's 161 game or 162 game baseball season or 17 game football season. We are in a we are in a fight every single year, whether we have anything to fight for every single year. Right, and that's what that's what's caused us to be fairly successful in Colorado, even with such a volatile and tumultuous landscape, because we prepared. Now I get criticism from members and associations that I've got. Well, we should do this. We should do that. And I'm like, okay, then I'll, I'll, I'll put you in charge of that committee and you figure out how to do it and then come back to the board. You know what happens? Nothing, not a zilch because they wanted me to do their task, but they didn't have enough effort or stamina to be able to turn around and do their suggestion or their task on their own. Okay. Well, that's not, that's not a solution. That's criticism. And that's part of the problem because other people are sitting on the sidelines that are not members of any of these associations that aren't participating at any level that aren't engaging in any capacity and they're criticizing everybody else. However, the caveat to that is I'm seeing thousands and thousands of outreaches from people that might've historically sat on the sideline that are reaching out going, I live in Indiana. I live in Florida. I live in Texas. I'm in British Columbia. I'm in New Hampshire. I'm in California. What do I have to do to help you. Well, for Christ's sake, if they're willing to do it for us 
and they do something in state and you can start that movement just for, on the periphery, just because it, it engages people. And they saw that they were part of a victory in the centennial state that maybe they hunted in, maybe they want to hunt in, maybe they know somebody in, maybe they go skiing in, maybe they're just driven through the damn state. If they see the value of outreach and participation and engagement, that's a movement that can't be denied. And I can tell you, just looking from the outreach, I'm, I'm you know, sitting here, I'm getting 20, 25, 30 texts and 50 different emails and stuff. I mean, I've got guys that are helping me with contacts because I can't do it all. Right. I mean, I, and I've got that's the, that's the beauty of it. So, yeah, I'll call some people out. Luke Worthington, Wyoming Hound, president of Wyoming Houndsman Association. Every contact you make now in this effort to support Colorado is a relationship that you're building for your fight when it comes for you. You're already starting the process. And, I, you know, who's your tree dog alliance? All these different breed organizations that that are out there that that can support this sort of stuff. When when it, and I didn't mean to just call Luke out. But Michigan bear hunters, Wisconsin bear hunters, all these different organizations, now is the time to start. And we've got some successful ones back here. Michigan and, and Wisconsin are, are great organizations that do exactly what you say. Uh -huh. You can't even pass a deer regulation in Wisconsin without uh, Wisconsin bear hunters having their, their influence in the room mm -hmm. to pass that. And that comes from the hard work that you're talking about. So if you're out there... If you're from Oklahoma or you're from Texas or wherever, start making those contacts now if you're in that leadership position because it's going to start building those relationships. And the Colorado fight is our fight. It's our fight because it's coming, it's coming to us next. It's not only it's not only your fight and our fight and his fight and her fight. Do yourself a favor. Look at our website. Look at the initiative 91 that's on there and read the language. And then you turn around and put where it says the people of Colorado, you put the people of Maryland, you put the people of Oklahoma, you take Bobcats and mountain lions out of there. Look at what they're doing and what they want to accomplish on dog owners. Yeah. Not houndsmen, not lion hunters, not Bobcat hunters. Yeah. In this particular measure it is, but if they set a precedent and there's a statutory a uh, precedent that they can that they can feed off of across lines or across species or across seasons. They're going to do that because they say, "Look what they did in Colorado. Look what they did in New, New Mexico. Look what they did in Wyoming." They'll utilize the language that that we allow them to have here, then put it into context wherever the hell you're at. Mm -hmm. And since and since people think across state lines about where they're going to go on vacation, where they're going to go hunt. The other thing about state lines when it comes to politics on the, on the things that they want to turn around and do, because these type of things will affect you no matter what, whether it's in this state or any other state. There's certain states that I drive through because of their political landscape while I'm out traveling that I try not to stop. And spend any money in that state. <laughs> you know, we, we've had significant support from California. I rodeoed in California as a young man, and uh, and I haven't been back to California since. My wife wanted to go to New York City and see Broadway and see some Christmas shows and different things and and do all the stuff. In the last uh, five or six, seven years, I you know I'm not I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and and I'm I'm just a theorist. 
uh, I will not spend money in places that are trying to turn around and take my livelihood and turn it upside down. No matter what I want to do there, I will not go there and support that. Now, that's a stubborn deal. I mean, I've done things to turn around and try to fly to where I don't even have to land in San Francisco or Los Angeles exactly. you know, to, to, go, yeah. to go around it because, because those ideologies are trying to take my living, my livelihood, my practices away from me. Mm-hmm. And and you can't be a hundred percent solid because of products that you buy and yeah. things that you like to pursue and, and so forth. But I tell you what, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen hard. And I've played this game long and far in this, in this state here. While we thought things were bad, we've done a monumental effort over the course of the last 20 years to keep things in check. Uh, it's almost to the point that that's insurmountable. But the way that this movement is happening, when we win in November, we will set the tone and we will set the narrative and we will set the precedent. And just to what Chris had said, they're going to come and come back at the next time and go, well, if it's the same roadmap that those dumb bastards did in Colorado, we don't want to do that. If that bearded bastard's involved in any way, level, shape, or form, we don't want to do that. We have to figure out a way to circumvent all of the successes that they had in Colorado and do something different. And by then, maybe some of these other organizations, states, individuals, entities, landowners, businesses, the industry actually, actually has propped up other things because they were part of a winning team in Colorado in 2024. Amen. That's a good looking beard, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You talked about the bearded bastard. And and I just want everybody to know if you could see Dan's beard, Look it up on CRWM. It's worth seeing. <laughs> yeah. You put product on that thing. It looks like you blow dry it and, and comb it, too. Oh, I, I do comb it. I, I I get a flea out of it every once in a while just from skin <laughs> of a coyote or something. But I'll, I, I might find a piece of food in it somewhere. But I had a buddy of mine. Out. I had a buddy of mine that had a big beard. They were trapping coyotes in Wyoming, and it got infested with fleas. He had to yeah. shave his beard off while he was in, in Wyoming and stuff. <laughs> I'll be, much I'll be, as I'll be checking traps and somebody will be riding with me. And, and all of a sudden I'll, you know, start like grabbing or itching or something. And they're like, what are you doing? It's like a fly. Oh man, don't, don't, don't tell me that. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't want one of those things. Get, get away from me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've actually had like blow flies get in it. You know that that you're you're doing you know and it and it gets in there and it just and it and you try to get him out because you hear him you hear him and you don't want to squish him in the beard so yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right let's let's run down I'm a, I'm just the average guy out there for some reason I was so bored while I was out looking for lion tracks or bear tracks or I'm going coon out and I was so bored that I decided to listen to the Houndsman XP podcast to wrap this up. I want to give a very simple procedure for people that that listen to this podcast. It's like, man, they're right. They, it's time for me to step up and do my part. What can the grassroots hunter that that may not know anything about UHC or or their hound organization? Maybe they don't have a hound organization. What can they do right now to uh, to start making a difference? in this fight in Colorado? First and foremost, we need a tremendous amount of money. Um, you know, at the, at the onset of this, we were raising money, but I wasn't asking for it. We're to a point now because of the, uh, affirmation of the title and them gathering signatures. We're asking people for money. We need people to step up and help us out. Uh, 
we're not we're not trying to pass the plate in church. We're not turning around and standing on a street corner say we'll work or we'll hunt for for money. Right. Uh, we we are we are in a fight of our lives here, and we are doing every single thing that is possible, known to man, uh, and maybe to non man, to 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 put this to another level. But that takes a ton of money. Why? Why does it take so much money? Let's be real plain about it. The way the political landscape has been formulated, you stop and listen, and, and for people to understand. What they can hear in the everyday news on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever, what they can hear is this candidate, <clears throat> this congressional candidate raised $65 million or $125 million. This senator or, or state representative raised, raised 5 or 6 or $8 million. That's for them to be in that position for two to four years. Mm-hmm. And then they had to go through it and do it again. Stop and think of the magnitude that we have to deal with here. Now, we don't need $65 million for Colorado right now. But if you add it all up, I bet we need 65 to $100 million nationwide to turn around and make a dent on it in every state. Mm-hmm. So we need 3 to $5 million in the state of Colorado to be able to go punch for punch for 15 rounds and tit for tat and to be able to call a foul just like what we did for the first four months of this whole right. process. It takes a tremendous amount of money. To be able to raise money, it takes a tremendous amount of money to pay your attorneys, your strategy teams, your your pre-buys on your advertising, whether it's network television or whether it's billboards or whether it's outreach and and you know social media campaigns. Plus, you have to make sure that you cross and t- dot, cross your T's and dot your I's when it comes to the accountability side of you mm-hmm. raising that money because now you are a campaign. The yep. issues committee that we formed. You got to pay an with, accountant. You got to pay everybody, independent yeah. expenditure committees and, right. and, and your review committees. And you got to pay your graphic designers. You got to pay your publicists. You got to pay. I mean, that's why they've won so much on the other side is because they have all of this structure already in place. Our 501c3s that we all are members of are not set up as formidably as what their 501c3s are. Their C3s are set up to advocate for, for animals whether it's wildlife or domestic, but the ultimate goal is to take away what we do. Right. Ours are set up to sustain what we do, but not to fight for what we do. And that's one of the problems that we have to deal with on the, on the landscape. As far as the money side, I want to clarify when we're asking for money, we are a 501 C four, a tax driven five tax based 501 C four. We are a nonprofit, but your contributions are not tax deductible. You want to send money to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation? By all means, do it. But send money to us, too, because we're a C4. Their mm-hmm. money, while coming into us in some capacity, cannot come into the magnitude of what the general public can put in because you're going to get a write-off with them. They're going to be able to expend it for certain specific reasons, right. some of which can go to campaigns like this. But if you send it to us, it's all going to the campaign, but you don't get a tax-deductible contribution for it. Right. So we need money. We're asking yep. for money. You can see the industry stepping up, the NGO stepping up, the individual stepping up. Like I said, we just got the 50th state on board last night because Charles went to South Carolina and found a guy from Hawaii and said, put some money into this. And I, I saw the, the donation sheet on his, on his phone. Right. Uh, it, we need money. And outside of the money, we need people to start thinking proactively for their states, for their causes, for their efforts. And to do that, when you go to savethehuntcolorado.com, 
to donate. Easy process. You get a nice receipt. Tells you what your money went to, what you're doing. Look up Initiative 91 and look at the language that is on there. You don't have to go to our Secretary of State's website and try to find that. Right. Print it off. Get get somebody to print it off. Carry it on your phone Mm -hmm. and show your buddies. Look, this is what they're doing. And like I said, you could take Colorado out and put Texas in or put Florida in there. You could take mountain lions and bobcats out and put another species in there. Right. It's your state. It's your cause. It's your effort. It's everything that you support or everything that you don't support. Mm -hmm. Educate yourself through things like that. Put the message out. Get your neighbor to donate. Turn around and get your, your, your hunting pastor to donate. Get your boss to donate. If we can do this like what we are doing, there's no doubt in my mind that we can be victorious. And there's no doubt in my mind that when we come out of this, other states are going to go, damn. Uh, what happens when they come to our state? Oh, right. don't worry about that because they they built a roadmap of the playbook and we're going to follow that. Damn, they're, they're going to come after coon hunting in Mississippi. I don't worry about that because we got this roadmap that was been built that I helped contribute to three years ago. And I know that it'll work because everybody else is going to stand up. That's not that's not a joke. That's happening now, and it's going to continue to happen. Yeah, yeah. So those are the things they can do. Donate, educate yourself, motivate, and get other people involved in the process because it's not a Colorado-centric issue. Nope. It's not any more than it's just a, a houndsman mountain lion issue. This is this is a huge we're gonna be the casualties. If if they're successful, we'll be the casualties. We're still gonna get a bloody nose in this thing. We can't walk, we never walk into these fights without taking licks. And we just got to stay, we have to stay vigilant all the time. So I hope, I hope everybody around the country is listening to what's going on. My friends in Vermont, everywhere, we're all getting it. What's happening here in Colorado should be very encouraging to everyone. We can do this thing. We can do it. And, uh, we can, we can also, uh, you know that you you get into a rut where you keep using the same terminology, but but setting the tone and the narrative of how we defend our efforts on the North American model of mm-hmm. wildlife conservation and responsible science based wildlife management. It's us setting the tone and narrative. I said yep. this on Bo's podcast. It's our trophy. Are we going <clears> to <throat> let them take it away? It's our history, our tradition, our heritage. We're just going to turn around and stand idle and let them do it. Yep. Not me. I hope everybody else feels the same way, but you're not coming. You're not coming in my house to turn around and take my stuff, but you're damn sure not coming in my state with outside animal activist extremists to come and take what I stand for. And I, I strongly believe that the majority of sportsmen and women will do the same thing, but we need their help in this effort. Yep. Yep. Make sure you check out save the hunt. Colorado.com. All the information there is you need. You can that you can make a donation there, and and like Dan said, if it's twenty bucks, it's twenty bucks. If you can get, you know, the the ranch owner that you do their predator control for them, let them know that you won't be able to do that next year if this thing passes. Talk them into donating. Show them where to donate. Educate yourself on. Why we hunt? What's the value of hunting? What what value do houndsmen serve in the bigger picture picture of wildlife management? Think about those things. Don't when somebody asks you why you hunt, 
there's nothing wrong with I'm a his, history nut. I'm a I'm a traditional type guy. I love the traditions and things that go into hound hunting, but we've got to change the, the narrative. And when they're tearing down statues all over the United States and all over the world and destroying and trying to rewrite our history, nobody cares about history. You know, Dan says we got 50 states. Most Americans don't know how many states we've got. So, <laughs> so man, history is, is good, but know the facts, know how to talk about science-based wildlife management, know the North American model for wildlife conservation. Make sure that your local representative, your one voice, but he may have never talked to a houndsman before, and, and you're going to run into him. My representative told me, he said, Chris, I'm not nearly as concerned about you should not be nearly as concerned about knowing my name as much as I you should be concerned about me knowing your name. Your name. Yep. Yeah. You know, when I see when I see my representative at Walmart, he he should know who I am. So that's it, guys. You got anything else, Dan? Anything else you want to throw out there? No, I think uh It'd be great to be able to continue to update people through this process. Uh, while I while I don't claim internet celebrity status, um, it's a it's amazing. I haven't lost my voice yet with the stuff that I'm actually having to talk on on a daily basis. But um, I look forward to updates with you and everybody else. I think it it you know momentum and success breeds momentum and success, and I and I honestly believe that. If we get to touch base again in April or in May, you'll be out here May 25th for the Freedom yep. Hunters. Uh, mm-hmm. and, it's, and just to clarify, before you open your mouth, it's not in <laughs> Boulder City. It's in Castle Rock, not in Boulder <laughs> City. <laughs> so so that's, a, that's the joke that now is not private anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, I've been working with Anthony Pace to set up this fundraiser in Castle Rock. It's going to be a day of supporting Clay's. Um, we've already got, a, a couple hunts that have been donated to that for auction items. Um, you know, we're working to have a, a really good day of sporting clays, but then also have a banquet afterwards where we raise some money for this issue. And, uh, it's going to be in, uh, Casser Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Castle, Castle Rock, Colorado. <laughs> Castle Rock, Colorado. Uh, yeah. and are you going to put just out of curiosity, you putting that, information out like in in uh march or april or what yeah as far yep, as yeah i gotta get yep we're working on all the coordination right now we've also got another big project that's coming um if you want to support this i don't care where you go to support it but there is an opportunity for you to go to the houndsman xp website look at our joiner die collection buy a hoodie buy a shirt buy your whole family your whole hunting group a hoodie or a shirt uh, and we are donating the profits from that to CRWM. We're working on the tallies right now. Uh, right now, I'll just make a commitment right now. Right now, our numbers show that we're going to be making a $2,000 donation directly to CRWM for these efforts. We've also that's got another ass. project we're working on uh, that's going to be a moneymaker for this issue and future issues as well. I can't wait to roll that one out because it's going to be it's got a cool factor to it. So appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. And appreciate everything that you're trying to do and, and rally the troops on the landscape because it's, it's, uh, it's admirable for people to pick up things from different States, different causes, different reasons, 
and I've guys never like hunted. you. I've never turned a hound loose in Colorado. Never. I, and I probably never, I may, I may never turn a hound loose in Colorado. Even if it's legal, I may not. But this is my, this is my freaking family. You know, these are my people. And I wouldn't let somebody come to the family reunion and start insulting my brother-in-law or, or the cousin that I only see once a year without, without coming to their aid. You know, uh, some, I always, I, I, I think of this analogy, you know, you had the family reunion at the state park and, and some jack wagon walks up and starts just trying to disrupt the, the family reunion, family reunion, you know, they're going to get pushback. And that's what this is. That, that's what this is. My, my family in Colorado needs my help and we're going to do what we can to, to help them out. Appreciate it a bunch. Look forward to future conversations and, uh, if anybody's got any questions, they can reach out to the website. There's a comment section on there. Um, and you can also donate there and get the other information, but look forward to working with you, Chris, and appreciate yeah. all your help and guidance on this issue. Well, we'll be making that $2,000 donation. And that's because people have stepped up and purchased that joiner die collect, you know, from that joiner die collection. So guys are answering the call, check it out and, um, and help us, help us help Dan. Help us help Colorado carry this ball across the goal line. We still got a lot of time on the clock, and and um, it's going to be an, an epic battle. We use these sports analogies, and it's a 15-round fight. We're three rounds in. You know, we're in the first quarter of the, the yep. championship game. This is it, folks. This is our cause to get behind. So, and I thought of that thought of that analogy or that saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what I was trying to say earlier. <laughs> I, I care right. a lot. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Well, this is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure, make sure you're uh, visiting SaveTheHuntColorado.com and um, looking to see what's going on. See what's going on in your world. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This is Fair Chase. <laughs>